Hi, welcome to the Scott Stebbin Podcast. On this episode of the Scott Stebbin Podcast, we'll discuss the Texas shooting, church policy, and thoughts and prayers. So stay tuned and listen right here on the Scott Stebbin Podcast. Everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stebbin Podcast. My name is Scott. It is 11-8-2017. It is a really cold, cold day here in uh, Stanton, Virginia. It's about 39 degrees this morning as I dropped off my son the preschool. Um, yeah, so it's been a while since I've last posted something. I tried to do a live Facebook video feed, and it did not work. Uh, Facebook was hitting me with... Uh, copyright um copyright infringements from some of the video clips i was playing um so ultimately you know i don't know i know like i've done stuff on youtube and you know even if there's like any type of like copyright stuff basically they'll still allow it just if i have any type of monetize things set up on my YouTube page, which I don't think I do, and if I do, I don't know how to deactivate it, um, but anything like that, they'll still play it, it's just I won't get any money from the amount of views or on that video, but I don't think Facebook has any type of monetized system on their fa- Facebook Live uh, interface, so I'm kind of I guess I'm kind of confused on why they decided they weren't going to uh, publish that video. But it, so it took me a while to take a video and luckily convert it to an audio file and then get it done. Plus, I also recently had another child. My wife and I just gave birth to a baby girl uh, just a few days ago. So obviously, with uh, leading up to the birth of my child and adjusting as a parent of a toddler and an infant has been very uh, time-consuming along with all my other uh, full-time responsibilities that I have. But today I really want to focus on on the, the, the Texas shooting. I mean, it's something that's recently out. There's a lot of information that's been coming out, and any time when there's a a massacre or a shooting, whether it's at a school, at a church, publicly, there's a lot of these things that always goes back to gun laws. Should we have stricter gun control? And we kind of see a lot of this, um, a lot of these facts, and especially, uh, you know, from my understanding of kind of a few gun laws that I know of. It's more of like if you have any type of mental illness or you have any type of criminal record that you shouldn't be able to access or get access to any type of of guns. And we see from this um we see from this person, uh uh, Devin Patrick Kelly, uh, how he has had a very troubled past, uh, not only with the military, but even as 
working as a um, security guard, um, even very abusive to his stepson and to his wife, even sending very threatening and angry uh, text messages to his family that attend the the First Baptist Church in Sutherland Springs, Texas. So we see kind of like, here's this trail of somebody who, by all accounts, should not have any type of possession of any type of weapon. And yet here he is. He has a weapon and ended up taking, I believe it's about 20, uh, 26 people uh, that have died due to this tragedy and I think there's 10 other people who are still in critical condition in the um, in the hospital so when I'm looking at things that happen especially things like at schools uh, you know occasionally if there's a a shooting or even the possibility or threat of any type of violence, with any type of weapon at a school, usually we see things like security guards checking bags or metal detectors at school. I can remember um, as a um, as a high school student, occasionally I would go to my school, which had no type of metal detector or security guard or anything to kind of check bags or do anything because there really wasn't that much of a threat as opposed to someone calling in a bomb threat at the school, which usually that was just someone just playing a prank on the school, but they take it seriously. So we'd be outside playing football for almost two hours and then we go back into class. So really all it was is it just delayed school. Um, and then, but really there wasn't really any threat of type of violence um, with a weapon at the school I attended. But I can remember having some friends who were in the Akron City School Systems. I can remember going to uh, North and Kenmore and, you know, just going there for, like, games. And occasionally, you know, there'd be a security guard out there who would have stuff or there'd be metal detectors that I would walk uh, through. So that was kind of very strange for me because I never really thought of that as being a problem. Uh, but we see within like schools or public buildings or anything like that, we see that there is some type of security, some type of system that is in place to really try to monitor any type of harmful weapon that would be coming into any of these uh, public places. But when we come to churches or even places of worship, there's always been this policy within churches that all are welcome to come to churches. Anybody can come. And so there really isn't any type of strict control on any type of weapons in churches. Uh, occasionally, like if I attend a place of worship or I attend churches, um, I usually will see like a sign that says on the front door that says, oh, no smoking, or I'll see something that says no, any type of arsenal or weapons that are in the church.
And so when I look at those signs, that's really the extent of church protection. But I do know I have a meeting that I meet with a bunch of ministers within the area where I'm a pastor at. And we actually had a discussion, like, what do we do uh, when there is any type of threats? And I know there's a company out in Akron, Ohio, that this church over in Virginia is using to train people on, like, you know, what's protocol when there is a violent act that happens, when someone comes in and starts shooting up a school or a church, how does one respond uh, what's protocol? What can you do to kind of, basically, especially in a church, what can you do to protect your congregants or the people who are coming to worship God? How do we protect them so that we don't have another situation um, like in Texas? And I know a lot of people say, well, stricter gun control. And yeah, we can do that. But sometimes even per someone who may not have a record, who does have possession of a gun, you know, they could just have a day or they forgot to take their meds or who knows what could cause someone or maybe they're just mad because they had a fight with their wife and she's going to church and then he just shows up and starts shooting and has no criminal record any health or mental illness or or any record of domestic abuse and we can see that this person can do that so i think the question is is i think the challenge for a lot of places of worship is what should we do to protect I mean, I've known even in my own church, we've talked about what we can do. And I know some people have suggested, well, once everyone's in church, once, you know, church service starts, lock the doors. And I guess that's kind of, you know, unfortunately, that's kind of the route that I think some churches may take. But at the same time, that kind of goes against the whole philosophy of places of worship, which is which is all are welcomed. So when you start to put a lock on the door, even if someone's running late to church and it's a visitor and they're coming and they want to try to enter the church and they can't because the door is locked, then you kind of go, oh, no. Well, I guess this church is not an inviting church. And then, of course, you know, they tell everyone on Facebook, on Twitter, they do a bad like Yelp review of the church, and then that affects the church's reputation. So I don't think a lot of churches are thinking we're going to close the door, but I think a lot of churches are also not thinking, hey, let's go ahead and have somebody, you know, either a veteran or somebody who has a concealed carry license to just sit in church with a gun, and if something happens, they can they can use it. Um, I even know sometimes we've even talked about you know, having, if we have someone who has a CCW, just have a rotation as someone who basically would just sit outside in their car and they would just monitor the parking lot. And they'd sit there so if anything fishy is going or if there's somebody who looks like they may have a weapon, then, you know, they could kind of come out and say something to them or talk to them and, and try to, you know, I guess try to handle the situation. So that's another option that people can use for any type of places of worship. But the other issue you have with that is what if someone looks uh, suspicious? So someone goes and, you know, again, it opens fire on somebody and they're actually completely innocent and weren't going to come. They're just coming to worship. So now an innocent life is taken. Then that opens up a whole nother can of worms because, again, the person who's sitting in the parking lot, 
may not be law enforcement, or if they are law enforcement, they're off duty. And so there's a lot of different things that we really don't know as places of worship uh, that have a more of an opening, welcoming, accepting vibe that all people are allowed to attend worship. How do we navigate that aspect of A, making sure the church has that welcoming presence, and B, how to protect your congregant from any type of attack that would happen. So I think that's kind of the struggle that I think a lot of places of worship or religious organizations have when it comes to trying to defend and fight off any types of act of violence or terrorism that could happen within that could happen within the church. Hello, this is Scott. Yes, it is. All right, I will, we will be there. All right, bye. So now I want to kind of switch over to another um, conversation that's been uh, that's kind of been happening in regards to this uh, shooting in Texas. And it's not necessarily a stance on gun laws. It's not a stance on what we can do to protect people or even just what I recently talked about, just, um, you know, as far as places of worship and religious organizations, how do we, you know, protect ourselves from something like this not happening in our own community? Um, so we kind of see all these different things, but the one thing that's been really coming out is this concept of thoughts and prayers. Now, if you're unfamiliar with what thoughts and prayers or that saying, usually anytime when somebody is sick, somebody's going through a very difficult time, or even on a national level or even an international level, when there is tragedy that happens, uh, people will tend to say or they will tweet or they will write this phrase, thoughts and prayers, or my thoughts and prayers are with you. And when it comes to thoughts and prayers, just especially the thing about this shooting in Texas has brought up, it has brought a lot of cynicism with the concept of thoughts and prayers. Because it even seems like even politicians will say, oh, our thoughts and prayers are with the families of those who are affected by this tragedy. Well, so here's all this stuff that's going on. And then we see, well, our thoughts and prayers are with you. And that's kind of the extent of people reaching out and helping those who have experienced tragedy. And in a way, I think it's a kind gesture. It's a very loving gesture to know that there are people who are thinking about them, people who are praying for them. But now there seems to be a huge lot of skepticism with it. Like recently, I just, one of my, um, recently I just kind of came across that there's actually a web game called uh, Thoughts and Prayers. 
and it's a game where you just kind of click and I believe what you do is you click a button that says thoughts or prayers and you keep clicking them while there's someone on screen who's running around and basically uh, shooting people. And then at the end, I think the game only lasts like 30 seconds or a minute. And then after the time limit, it will say this many people, this many people have died and this many people have survived due to thoughts and prayers. And usually it's always zero that people survive due to thoughts and prayers. Um, so really we see that cynicism and that critical look of thoughts and prayers. So I want to kind of address the whole thoughts and prayers because for me as a as a follower of Christ and as me as a pastor, I believe that prayer works. I have seen prayer work in in my life. I have seen prayer work in other people's lives, but I also think that there is kind of a misconception about prayer that I think a lot of people don't really get or understand. So first I want to talk about thoughts and really when I hear the word thoughts, thoughts is only, I guess that's just kind of a way of people who are not religious to think about the situation because they're not going to be praying because obviously they're not religious at all. So that's why we say thoughts and prayers. And I think even sometimes we throw thoughts in there because if someone is, if someone doesn't believe in prayer, then we say, well, I'm going to be thinking about you. Um, I'll be thinking about you and your situation and the trials you're going through. But I'm also going to say prayer in there as well because you know that I'm religious, so I'm going to throw thoughts in prayer. So then that way I don't want to say, oh, I'm praying for you. And then you have someone basically say, well, I don't need your prayers because prayers don't work and, and kind of start that whole thing. So I think it's just kind of a – I think it's throwing thoughts is like a way to kind of delude um, any type of – the potential of any type of attacks that might come from prayer. But for me, I always thought thoughts were always unnecessary because I don't know how thinking about something actually solves an issue. But for me, prayer is something that always moves in a way to find a solution. And so, and here's why, because I think here's kind of where people are getting upset or where the misconception comes from. The misconception of prayer is people think that by praying, especially one time during a situation, that that's going to fix everything. That's going to provide comfort for somebody. That is going to um, solve the situation. And that's going to kind of help increase... Um, kind of increase the joy or even kind of helps soothe any of the pain someone may be going through whatever the situation may be. But the thing about prayer is prayer's not a one and done situation. Uh, prayer is an ongoing lifestyle. You cannot just say, well, I'm going to pray for you, and then you can go back to your regularly scheduled life, and prayer is just kind of an aside uh, to your life. But prayer should always be something that we do continually, uh, something that we 
we see even when we look at First Thessalonians 5, uh, 17, the Apostle Paul tells us to pray continually. And when I look at praying continually, one of the things, especially in Jewish um, uh, Jewish culture, is the, uh, I think it's called the teflium, which is a prayer garment or a prayer shawl that they wear that they would always wear for special occasions or some some depending on what Jewish uh, sect you're part of, some of them wear the teflum all the time. And it was always a constant reminder to always be in a state of prayer. We even see that prayer is something that is a lifestyle. And we see that when we continue to pray and when we continue to ask God for things, that he will always give us the desires of our heart. And we read that in the book of Psalms. We even see that in Jesus' teaching on prayer in Matthew. Um, so there's this thing about prayer that prayer works. But especially when we see something on a big national level, to me, I see that when we say I'm praying for you and we still continue to see gun violence, then I can I understand the skepticism of people saying, well, yeah, thoughts and prayers aren't doing anything or it's not changing anything. Real change comes from actually taking steps and doing things to try to prevent other tragedies from happening. And I would agree with that assessment. I would agree with that thought process. But here's the thing about prayer. So many times, and I think, and I, and I kind of see this mainly with uh, talking with a lot of people who do attend any some type of, of place of worship is that prayer for them is something that they do before meals they do it before bed and then they do it anytime when they go to any type of church activity but then their normal work life and their home life and even school life Prayer is not something that they are doing continually. Prayer is something that they will just do when it's certain times. Um, when it's Whenever tradition says it's time to pray, then that's when prayer happens. And I find a problem with that. Because from what when I read the Bible, and when I read the scriptures, and especially when I read other... Um, People, other theologians, other early church fathers, when they talk about prayer, there's always a couple elements of prayer. There is the lifting up of prayer, and then there is the waiting. And I think it's that second part that people fail to do. You pray for 15 minutes. And then you go and you go throughout your day and you don't take the time to actually sit and wait. I believe it was, I think it was Jonathan Edwards. Uh, one of the uh, stories about Jonathan Edwards is he was the guy who would wake up early in the morning, like four or five o'clock in the morning. He would pray. And then after he would pray, he would sit in silence to wait for the Lord to respond. Sometimes he would sit for an extra half an hour, always up to two hours just in praying, meditating on the word, and listening to God. And that's the problem, I think, 
where we as believers have failed is that we don't wait for the Lord. We don't wait for his prompting. Because I think so many times we can say, I'm praying for you, but yet our actions and our words and what we say is always based on what we believe, what we think, or what type of media person is putting some type of bug in our ear to let us listen to words. Because obviously if I see tragedy happening and I see, hey, we should have stricter gun law so we make sure that people who are using their guns appropriately can have them and those who are not using their guns appropriately will lose them, I think that's a good thing. And especially with the tragedy in Sandy Hook after we had a handful of children get gunned down at a school and any time when the gun laws came up, it was always, well, Obama's going to take all our guns away and that's infringing on our Second Amendment rights. And yet we also hear that, no, that wasn't the case. And sometimes we say, no, that is the case. And then the thing is, is we're arguing about gun laws and we're forgetting that, hey, a tragedy where young kids took place. Are we so focused on our rights to bear arms that we totally forgot that innocent children died? So when it comes to prayer, we need to wait because when we wait, then this is when we begin to be able to discern what the Lord's will is. And when we discern what the Lord's will is, then that moves us to action. And that's always the third thing about prayer that people forget, that when there is prayer, there is action. Even when we look at the book of James, uh, James says, faith, if not accompanied by action, is dead. And I know when we talk about faith, we talk about faith as our belief in Jesus. And if I believe that Jesus is coming back, then my actions should represent that. My actions should represent my relationship with God. But in the same way, if prayer is essentially stepping out on faith saying, God, I don't have control over the situation. I am going to pray to you and I'm going to have the faith that you are going to respond and answer my prayer according to your will, then prayer takes faith. And if prayer takes faith, and faith without actions is dead, then we need to take action with our prayer. And sometimes that can be just the simplest thing. I know for me, like, if I know that there is someone who's sick, I'll pray for that person, and then I will follow up and I will ask them, how did your appointment go? How are you feeling today? Um, you know, and, and I'll just kind of keep on checking up on them. Because again, for me, I don't want to just say I'm praying for you and then and then that's it. And plus the thing is, is if I'm praying for someone and I'm following up with them and they start to give me a report back of what's going on, then that then means that I can focus my prayer a little bit more. That means that I'm also in a continuum prayer, and it becomes a cycle. I'm praying, I'm listening, I'm responding, 
I'm praying, I'm listening, I'm responding, and it keeps repeating. And that's how we get to a continual prayer. That's how we begin to make sure that our prayer is answered and our prayers work. And I know sometimes people go, well, if God is a loving God, then why do bad things happen? And very, and there's a very, and that's a very good question. It's a very difficult question. And the best way for me to kind of respond to that is that, you know, God had given humanity free will. When God put humanity in the garden, they could eat from all the different fruit trees, but he told us, don't eat from this one tree. And, and if, but God also didn't put a guard around a tree. He didn't put an electric fence around a tree. He, he didn't say, he didn't put a big pillar of fire around a tree so that Adam and Eve couldn't get to the tree. But they could easily have gotten to that tree. And I think that's kind of where, where we forget is that there's free will. Yes, God is a good God. He's a loving God and he wanted to helps, help the people he created. That includes those who are followers of Jesus and those who are not followers of Jesus. But then on the flip side of that coin, we also live in a very, we live in a fallen world. We live in an evil world and evil is always going to continue to invade we're still going to have suffering and we're going to have pain until we pass away or until Jesus or the Messiah returns and I think that's where where we as believers have to kind of take note and say well yeah maybe God didn't prevented this tragedy from happening but how is he mobilizing his people to respond to those who are going through pain and suffering right now? Well, my thoughts and prayers are with you. Or my thoughts and prayers with you. And then I begin to move to action to begin to help. If it's praying for them, if it's providing them a meal, if it's, you know, paying for you know, if it's helping paying for their groceries or if it's help paying a bill for them as they're trying to readjust to not having a loved one in their life anymore. Um, I think that is when we begin to see prayer work is when prayer goes into action. And again, I go to the cycle. You pray, you listen to discern God's will, to listen to his voice, and then you go into action. So in conclusion, I do believe that prayer works. But with prayer, prayer is a thing of faith, and faith must be accompanied by action. And if we really want to see an end to this, I think as believers, we need to continue to pray. We need to actually take the time to discern God's will. And then, even if God's prompting in his will conflicts with our own beliefs, or our own ideals, or our own philosophy then we need to give that up and allow God to have full reign for us and be able to move in a way that's going to help better our world so that we don't have to see another tragedy happen um, in a week or two. So that's kind of my thoughts. And if you have any um, 
thing you like to share, whether you agree with me, whether you disagree with me, whether you have questions, uh, feel free to leave a comment either on the Facebook page. Uh, you can just find me on, uh, just do a search for the Scott Simmons Podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can make a comment on the Podomatic page where I upload my podcast to, or even my website, thescottsteadman.com. Uh, you can just leave a comment, and I'll definitely try to get back and respond uh, to your comments. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys are having a wonderful week. I know we're getting close to winter, so hopefully you guys are trying to stay warm unless you're listening somewhere in Florida where it's probably warm all the time and you don't have to deal with cold, rainy weather or snow. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye.